Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I guess ripping off someone's game and then charging zero dollars for it is, quote, taking it to the next level now, unquote. Fuck that disingenuous bullshit. That is a quote from Zoe Quinn on her Twitter, and uh, that is commenting on a GI.biz interview with Voodoo titled The Search for Creativity at Voodoo's New Berlin Studio. I'm Danielle Riendo, and this is Waypoint Radio, episode 210. Joining me here today are Natalie Watson. Hi, hi. Patrick Klepek. Hello. And Rob Zachney. Hello, hello. So we're going to talk about an age-old topic here today, uh, but hopefully with some sort of fresh angles and a look also at sort of what journalist journalistic responsibility is around the idea of sort of game cloning. Um, so basically, to set up this story, this is something I've seen a lot of game developers commenting on. Uh, this tweet, uh, Kate Gray tweeted about this uh, GameIndustry.biz article that is interviewing the folks at Voodoo, which uh, makes a lot of mobile games, uh, and it was sort of reinstated the debate over game cloning, uh, which is basically when a game mechanic or a type of game uh, is lifted wholesale <laughs> from one game and then sort of sold as its own thing. This has been happening since there have been games. This is not new in any way, so saying that right up top. Uh, but in this situation, it sort of reignited something over specifically a game called Hole.io, which uh, allegedly sort of lifts of the main mechanic of Donut County, which is a game that was on several of our actual top 10 lists uh, this year, towards the end of the year. A really sort of charming puzzle game where you had a hole, and in order to sort of progress through the game, you make the hole bigger by eating things, by sort of sucking objects down into the hole. It gets bigger with every object, and there's a lot of puzzles around that. So to start off the discussion, I wanted to sort of create, you know, sort of have a framework here for generally uh, speaking about sort of game cloning and what does it mean uh, to sort of clone a game. And and just sort of speaking for myself, this feels on a gut level like, yeah, th- there's, a, there's a line being crossed here with Hole.io and the way Voodoo is sort of positioning it as a, quote, unicorn. Uh, one of their unique game concepts that they uh, sort of want to bank on and, and make games on. Uh, and what it means to sort of g- clone a game that is mechanically simple. And does this have to do something uh, with the fact that this is sort of like a corporation with a lot of resources cloning a game that is sort of this charming indie darling? So I know that's a lot of setup. <laughs> uh, but do folks have feelings sort of on that level, on that sort of framing level of like, Okay, what does it mean to clone a game, and what does it mean for a corporation to be sort of pretending that their game is this unique and beautiful unicorn in the world? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I think it's easy to see these guys as uh, sort of villains in the story. It does feel like a line is being crossed. I think it's it's a complicated thing because I'm not sure, in like genuinely, I'm not sure we do want to live in a world where like game mechanics could be copyrighted given how often like it has been useful to see sort of the cross-pollination of ideas, mechanics, designs sort of inform each other and influence each other and sort of fuel a lot of creativity. On the other hand, what we have ended up with is an environment where there is basically no recourse that you have uh, for like game design plagiarism. Right. Like it's and, and that's kind of how it ends up feeling there. If somebody basically takes the game that you made and provides like the thinnest, shallowest reskin of it, uh, disguise, like not even really meaningfully adapting it or reimagining the central mechanic, but basically just like straight rips it, tweaks its appearance a, a little bit, maybe changes the theme just slightly. Uh, they are good to go. Uh, they they are they are fine, and where it really stings is when you have an indie developer who clearly uh, was nearing the point where they were going to release, and a company that yeah as you as you pointed out has a great deal of resources, uh, has a great deal of assets they can bring to bear on any given design. So not only can they quickly rip an idea but they can also quickly um lavish it in theming in sort of high quality they can give it like production budget and it is hard not to feel like there is an element of like claim jumping to this right where like the people who have like uh you know investors backing them uh have large budgets that they can just have a staff you know basically sitting ready to jump on whatever they whatever they are willing to bet is going to be the next big or moderate sized thing when they're basically doing that and staking out uh the projects of indie developers and finding inspiration uh, as they put it yeah. uh in those mm. projects as they as they're about to launch right yeah i think the lack of recourse is like the the big question uh that i've heard over and over from developers you know the i think the reason stories like this get written is because in, in some part, shame, you know, we've had this conversation politically, but, you know, the notion of shaming, right? It's like, can you shame someone doing something shamelessly into backing off? Um, and I think we've increasingly seen that that doesn't work nearly as well as it did in the past and that there are going to be all sorts of individuals that will press forward unless, like, literally told they cannot until it is ripped from their hands. I remember writing a big piece for Giant Bomb years ago about uh, threes in 2048. Yeah. Um, and one of the, the contentions there was that, uh, you know, the developers of threes, they certainly thought about launching a game for free, but they wanted to make money um, or they wanted to avoid having to structure their their the design of the game differently or the UI of the game differently. And to them, I mean, if you've played threes, like it's a very beautiful, aesthetically beautiful game in terms of not just how the the, the, the puzzle pieces work, but also uh, in terms of just like the basic UI. Like it's a very elegant, pretty mm -hmm. game. Um, and if you were to in, to put ads into that, it would it would change the design in ways that they felt wasn't worth compromising on. And so they wanted to charge money for it. But, you know, they went eyes wide open knowing that that that's going to lead that easily at least especially in the mobile space leads to uh you know cloning of a free version i think this um because wasn't this uh 
in this case, this was a game cloning an idea before the release yes. of the game proper. I, I've heard that that's sort yeah. of a sort of a separate thing. Like threes is an instance of hey, it's exclusive to a platform. People are going to make something that's paid free. People are going to take something that's easily clonable and put it on a platform that it's not on. Like that's under when there was the web version of threes, like it was kind of understandable because it's like, all right, people want to play threes in their web browser and they can't like, it may be bad, but like you kind of see the line and where that goes um, with, you know, don't account. I mean, it's the, you know, I imagine, especially for smaller developers that don't have legal teams that can at the very least send a threat. Um, even if you can't really follow through on that threat, your if your game is based on a mechanical hook that it's not going to be a, you know, a, a large stretch for it, uh, another exploitative uh figure to come in and just take advantage of that um i mean i i guess the question here is like how successful has that game been i don't know um you know is is it just a matter of the the concept being ripped off or is there like you know pretty direct evidence of money being taken out of the pocket of the developer who you know had a lot of the original idea um i but it's not just the mechanic that's being copied. It's like the mechanic and the context in which the mechanic is being used. Yeah. Like Donut County is specifically like the whole is taking in like structures and buildings and, you know, um, affecting daily life. Like that is the thing. The thing is that, you know, uh, uh, I forget the raccoon's name. Um, it's a really... It's a cute uh, name. Yeah. It's I, a cute name. <laughs> and it's, uh, anyway. Let me see if I can find um, it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Hole.io is doing the same, you're, what you're swallowing are buildings. I, it's not like you're, it's a hole that, you know, swallows fruits or, you know, like something right. like specific. It's like very contextually aligned with mm-hmm. what uh, Donut County uh, proposed to do um and i think that's what's even more telling that this is not just you know a mechanic being copied but that there's a larger sort of draw of ins- inspiration in quotations um yeah and i worry that there's a part of this that is not even just that context and that sort of inspiration but was this a case, and, and I just want to sort of ask this as a framing question because I don't know if this is directly what happened, but is this a case of someone, you know, an indie developer having a cool idea and showing it off, like actually sort of bringing it out into the world and being like, look at our cool thing, what a, what a cool idea, this is sort of an inversion of Katamari, this is, you know, an interesting way of, of playing with a simple mechanic and like sort of elevating on that with each puzzle. And then somebody, you know, I, again, I'm not saying this is what happened, but is this the case where somebody saw that and was like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's uh, let's do that first. Let's make that well, a little faster with our resources. You that's know? one of the reasons something like this is so distressing, because it also sort of strikes at the idea of there being a community of creators who can trust each other to like if I were writing a novel and I showed you my novel and I asked for feedback I am 100% confident that nobody would then take my novel and submit it as their own to a publisher. Like, nobody would fucking do that. Now, if you did, I would also have legal recourse. That's right. that, that, that's an important <laughs> aspect of this. But like this idea that, and this is kind of what the indie community tends to run on. Now, whether it runs on that wisely, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of things about sort of the way the indie development community operates that like cut against maybe trends in 
work-life balance. You know, there's a lot, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of aspects to life and work in, in the indie community uh, that are a little, that, that are maybe a little bit askew from what you'd find in a major company and maybe even a little bit askew from what a lot of developers would actually want for their economic security and quality of life. That being said, one of the aspects of that community is you bring your game to shows because if you're a small team, particularly if you're so if you're so a developer a designer basically it's shocking to me the degree to which even seasoned developers have no idea if their game is fun or not you just don't know you need you need to see people play it you need to get feedback and so there are all these conventions all these trade shows all these game jams all these meetups all these institutions that make this community run where you feel free to sort of crack open your laptop and be like hey check this out what do you think this thing getting cloned before it even hits the market. And as Natalie pointed out, like if you put them side by side, it sure looks like the same fucking game, right? Like it's, it's, it's not somebody heard about, Oh yeah. A game where like holes eat stuff. Uh, that's not like <laughs> that's, it's not like somebody was like, Oh look, there's a, zo- there's a zombies and holes game that somebody put out. Like you put them side <laughs> by side. It's yeah. the same game. And when that happens before the game comes out, it is impossible not to immediately think about all the times you were showing that game off. Who was in the room? Who was seeing it? Who did they talk to? Uh, who did you give builds out to? That sort of shit is toxic because it makes you distrust your peers. And from what I understand, that's one of the... Again, this is one of the things that is fun for me as somebody who just only dabbles in tiny indie games and fun for you know if I've, I've had a game at different games before it was the most exciting thing in the world for me to be showing something off and and sort of be around that energy and i know a lot of other tiny developers at, at the very least maybe this is not as true for sort of the triple a indies which are maybe in a in more of a, a in between space there but it's it's fun and exciting to show your work and see what other people are doing. It's one of the most fun things about this type of development is to be inspired by the these ideas. Going to the experimental gameplay workshop at GDC is so fun and so exciting and refreshing and gives you like hope for games. So this is especially chilling in that context where it's like, oh, so I guess we can't have any nice things. <laughs> it's like you can't make a living or have fun doing interesting, wild, creative work. And not, I'm not saying that this means that you cannot, but that sort of connotation to it is really upsetting to me, uh, you know, on a personal level. Um, well, I mean, it does I think it does imperil your ability to do this, like get a living off of it? Because like, think about the risk it takes. Like, this is your project that like is predominantly the thing that you are working on, the thing that you are spending your time in. You're you're one person, you're, or you're a small team. It's not like you can have eight or nine different projects in the pot. Like, you cannot do what this fucking voodoo studio is doing where <laughs> they've is... got teams basically like crunching on a variety of different bets at any given time. Yeah. According to this article, they test a roughly estimated 400 games per month. Wow. Right. So the thing is like, and, and those folks are all getting paid. You know, they're, they're all going to be salaried. This this is sort of this company's business model. But if you're somebody out there trying to innovate, uh, trying to be create something new and original outside of studio structure that's like, you know, just your creation, you're taking on an enormous amount of risk. And to have somebody basically coming along and profiting off all the R&D you put into it, all, all the 
you know, all the iterating you did to bring that design turn into an actual game, and then all the iterations you did to make it a fun or you know at least or at least a somewhat playable game uh, <laughs> to have somebody like take that uh, all at the last minute. That's the sort of shit that like how like that happens once. That's really bad. That happens twice. Uh, you're in deep shit because now you've got a lot of your creative output, a lot of what you put your 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 sweat equity into, uh, is now just been taken by somebody else. They just boosted it right out of your hands, and that is going to be hard to swallow, especially because say say like sounds like Hold Out IO's done done really fucking well. So like, how many great ideas do you get? Like, how many really good marketable ideas that really would have like put some money in your pocket, maybe allowed you to, you know, have some security going for it. How many do you really have? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I want to read a tiny bit of the piece here, uh, sort of talking about this. Um, <clears throat> Willink, who is the rep from Voodoo here. Willink wasn't working at Voodoo when this happened. Again, speaking about the Donut County and Hole.io controversy. Back to the quote. <laughs> and he wasn't involved with Hole.io, so he wasn't able to comment on the specific incident. However, he did speak to how Voodoo broadly handles these similarities. Quote, The team at Voodoo is constantly looking at the market for ideas and inspiration, unquote, he said. Quote, There are many games that are very similar to proven mechanics that uh, take them a little bit further and are able to identify the fun element a little bit better than the original, unquote. There's an idea here that I find troubling uh, that is sort of like, all right, we've cherry picked these cool ideas, these great ideas, these wonderful ideas, and garnished them with production values and the idea of resources and, and all this other stuff and put our marketing muscle behind it. It really feels like a, a, like a shitty factory model in some ways. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm disturbed by this. And I don't know if anybody else is sort of disturbed by just this idea of like, okay, the coolest things about the smallest games, as someone who gets excited about the coolest, smallest games and the weirdest ideas, whether they're polished or not, and just being sort of like triple A-ified, even though that's not exactly what's happening here, or mobile gamified, like the, you know, that, that kind of thing. I'm really upset about this. And I don't know if anybody else is, but well, <laughs> it like hurts. What's, what's so like, completely fucked about this is calling there's another quote in this article where in reference to the unicorn thing <laughs> like unicorns are things in industries that are like game changing and that like set a new like standard or a new like uh, a new expectation or a new uh system or whatever so referencing 2048 and whole uh, the what's his name references 2048 and whole.io as the unicorns themselves and to not credit the original games and then fucking say that it was like the specific mechanic that you took out and then called the games that you made after those you know like it just the unicorns are not these are only unicorns because they can garner so much attention from being free and like I don't know. It's just that's what's so damning to me is is the fact that you can say in the same interview that you're pulling inspiration that you cherry that you're like picking out these mechanics and then call your reskin 
like the unicorn itself. Well, yeah. This is this is what I find fucking fascinating about this <laughs> this profile. Like, and I understand, and you you allude to this in sort of our write up for for today's rundown for for the show to give you that little peek behind the curtain how the show operates. Oh yeah, uh, but. <laughs> You allude to the fact that, like, this this specific article uh, at Games Industry is getting dragged a little bit, right? Because it, it does read like a flatter, it mostly reads like a flattering profile of, like, here's a look behind the scenes at the fun factory at Voodoo. It does look <laughs> like that. But I'm actually kind of grateful for it because it is just, it is so fascinating the way these fuckers, like, conceive of themselves and their place in the industry and the rhetoric they adopt around the work they do like it'd be one thing if you had some sort of like openly sleazy like larry flint-esque type like hey here's what i do like bottom like bottom line end of the day we rip off games we find good ideas we slap a we slap an attractive skin on them and we take them we make a fuckload of money that's our business model that would be one thing you'd almost respect that sort of like you almost re- like respect yeah. the honesty about it like yeah this is this is the model but what they want to do what they want to sort of project is that they're creators too they're innovators they just you know like it opens on this like the opening line is, as Alexander Willick put, puts the plans in place for Voodoo's new Berlin studio, his primary focus is on creativity. Obviously, of that's course. not, that's probably not <laughs> where the primary focus of this, of the studio is. But it is important for these folks to feel as if they are being innovative and creative. Because I think, and I, and I don't think this is just an act. I think a lot of people who operate in this space, like sort of adopt, the, who are sort of drawn to a model like this, they still want to think of themselves as the imaginary Steve Jobs who never really existed, but like the the, the visionary, uh, the, the visionary creative who leads vast teams toward massive profitability and paradigm shifting products. People want to tell themselves that's what they're doing, and. They will tell themselves that even as they have dozens of teams scouring, like possibly scouring uh, different games publications, different, you know, games jams, trade shows, looking at other people's ideas and figuring out how can you how you can better package and monetize them. Uh, They will still tell themselves that, hey, this is just this is just us being creative. Yeah, there's there's so much just. There's so much of that that feels like, here's the coolest thing about making games. You have an idea, and then you branch off from that idea. You have the, It's almost like, okay, I know, Rob, you'll understand this, and the three people who watch Farscape will understand this. You know what John Crichton is starting to figure out the wormhole equations, and he's writing on the wall, and then he starts writing on his arm, and he starts writing all over the place. He's extrapolating this beautiful, majestic algorithms and creations and equations all over the place because he's starting to see the possibilities. And the fact that this is being co-opted into this factory scheme is is what I think is like, oh, damn it, grr, you know, raising my fist in anger. I wanted to talk about another side of this piece, and this is, this is probably uh, one of the angles that maybe we haven't touched on as much uh, to this piece, which is uh, Kate Gray's original sort of tweet here, uh, which is in all caps, very nice, uh, and says, can game sites please stop uncritically accepting shitty opinions that harm the industry? Hold them accountable, that's what journalists should do. Uh, which is, you know, again, the all caps is a lot here. But I do think there is there is something here about the piece itself. And I, and I don't completely think... All right, I, I will say this. The writer here seemed like... Uh, I'm going to... S- I'm going to assume a she pronoun, could be a they pronoun, but I'm going to say a she pronoun just uh, to be easy here. Seemed like she wanted to kind of challenge the voodoo rep on this because she actually kind of does bring up like, 
all right, so you're talking about these unicorns and you're talking about hole.io and okay, so here's this whole Donut County thing and sort of allowed this rep, Willick, the, the rep from Voodoo, to, you know, kind of, I thought maybe what was going on here was like the concept of sort of giving somebody enough rope to hang themselves with. Like, okay, now respond to this. Here we go. I got you. You know, here, here's here's an idea. You might be copying this stuff. You might be doing this. I don't think it quite worked, but I can kind of see where this piece may have been trying to do that may have been trying to give maybe not the most uh, unflattering, or sorry, the most flattering portrait of what's going on here. And I don't know if any of you got that sense at all, uh, sort of from that either. It's it's from GI Biz, right? Yes. So I mean, it's a business oriented website. Like I'm not super shocked that you know, no offense to the people that work at GI Biz, but like that's not the place you go for like long form, critical, wide angle what does this mean piece is like it's a business sure. it's a profile of a business you could argue that yeah maybe they they could have been more critical they probably should have been more critical but i'm also not shocked that in a website that is not really about opinions is is more just about like here's what's going on like this is a thing that's going on and this piece is a pretty like banal <laughs> profile of a business if you treat it as like gi biz is a trade publication right in a lot of ways which is that's that's in my head that's how i've always thought of them right what's kind of upsetting and revealing about this is like <laughs> yeah this is the industry too like i mean it is sure right there's yep. tons of people employed in the game industry they ain't all making donut counties they ain't all making assassin's creeds there's a lot of people working at these uh you know mobile studios they're almost like game development mills and they're all like imagine it as a vast like a vast uh roulette wheel and you're making your bets and most of them are not going to pan out some will break even but what you're playing for are you know the ones where your number comes up and you get massive uh returns on that to make that work to 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 make that happen you have a lot of places that operate very similar to this and if you view like gi biz as being giving a taste of like hey just what's happening in our industry who are the leaders in their industry? Uh, then this is for sure going to be the kind of profile that's going to crop up from time to time without a tone of judgment, even though maybe I I might feel there should be some judgment. Uh, and I do think there's sort of an implicit subtext of like, look, we know what these guys really do, right? But I, <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting and again, helpfully revealing that this is such an anodyne piece in such ways because like, I've this... tried to report these pieces out, and when you email them saying, basically with the tone of, yo, you motherfuckers, like, explain yourself. <laughs> like, they don't explain themselves. Yeah. Like, in my, part part of my piece in exploring the, the, the Threes cloning was trying to track down the, like, deeply profitable 2048 clone that was free. And, I mean, I found, I, I in this piece, like, I walked through, like, the person I found, the evidence in it, like, proves that, like, this is probably the person that is, like, running the studio that does this. Like, they never, ever got back to me because the framing of my piece is, yo, you ripped this thing but off. But if you came at them, explain yourself. Could you tell us about your creative philosophy right. and your vision for the future of the industry? Like, hell yeah, let's sit down. Right. Because, I'm a yeah, genius. Because it's, the, way, the, the way they plainly speak says everything. So I'm, I am in the camp that, because this story probably doesn't exist with like a hostile take, right? I mean, maybe yeah. you get in the door and then once you're in the door, you have the access and and I I'm not gonna argue I, I I wouldn't argue that there couldn't have been a more critical eye or at least in the body of the the piece that there couldn't have been like a more rather than a wink and a nod you could just sort of 
outline it a little little bit more. But um, I do think there is usefulness in like hearing directly from the source on a piece like this because when it's usually just you going to them for a comment, they're not going to comment. They're going to let you try and figure it out on your own because there's no use in them copying to what they're doing. So I, I was I was deeply entertained by the quotes because it's like, yeah, of course this is what you're doing. Like, but it, you said the, the soft part out loud. Like, you, that's not what you do. You just go make your money and everyone howls from the sidelines. Like, to actually get profiled and to say it out loud clearly believing your own bullshit right that's the thing like you wouldn't say it unless you believed it um like i really don't think they're being disingenuous i think they're saying what they think they do um and that in itself is more revealing than anything else but it is a shame i mean given time the winners end up writing history of this stuff right like what was the game literally i don't remember what was the game that predates minecraft uh, that, that basically like oh, was yeah. the was the foundational like text for Minecraft. I don't remember the fucking name. It wasn't no. Minecraft. Yep. Uh, now mind you, like Minecraft clearly went to school on that game, but we know who's a billionaire, and we don't remember the name of the other game. Uh, yep. you know, just last week we were talking about the um, you Infinite know, Miner. Pardon? Was it Infiniminer? Maybe. I f- might be. Maybe like literally like. It might be something. Whether else. We, the fact Who that we can't, say? the fact that we can't pull it, like, whether we yeah. actually say it or not, is is sort of irrelevant to the right. point. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. Ditto. Um, like last week we we're talking about Fortnite, and you know the way it has used for its theming and flavor a lot of dances that originate in uh, the hip hop community, right? And the fact that in that conversation, it also didn't come up that. Fortnite itself is sort of built on the skeleton that PUBG put, like, the framework that PUBG laid down, which was itself built on, like, we do not, in the end, what gets celebrated tends to be success. However you came by it, whoever you may have stepped on or ripped off or paid homage to, uh, to, <laughs> to pull it off, uh, that that's kind of, that you know, that is the world we live in. And again, this is why I get very cynical about um, the power of shame because because so much protects the ability of people to do this and to yeah. take their winnings and walk. The thing with Fortnite, though, is like at least the battle royale, like that that has become a genre in which there's like space to play. Like this is so much more. Um, the qu- I guess the question is, what is a genre, right? Like that's yeah. that's where they that's where they win on rhetorically. Is like, well, what's the Where's the line on that? Like, what's a genre and what's just, you know, straight up ripping off everything about it? Like, I mean, there's... <laughs> Holes eating buildings really... is a genre to me. That's whole, what I mean. Like Whole I, genre. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not disputing your point, uh, Natalie. I'm just saying, like, you, you see the slippery slope in which, like, they're able to dance, tap dance around this because, like, we've accepted Battle Royale as a genre because, well, it, it did become a genre, but, like... At what point is it a genre and what point it is a, is it a ripoff? Like, that's what they're exploiting. Like, the gap between those is what they're yeah. exploiting. Like, the fact that Epic Games at least, like, called out PUBG and said, like, cool, like, thanks for the influence, y'all. Um, yeah. That You know, that's that's not and happening And they had their own because... game that they were built, like, the, yeah. that they are porting into. Like, the, like, build it, like, the Fortnite mechanics didn't exist in PUBG. So, like, it, it was far from a straight rip. They just, like, created a structure for the game. Uh, the, for for Fortnite to take place in, but yeah, it's um, 
I don't know. The, the thing that just strikes me about this is the degree to which oftentimes like the people who end up having the most powerful and resonant ideas, think about all the people like in different mod communities who lay the foundations for the MOBA genre. How many of them are running around, you know, as millionaires right now? I bet you not, not that many. Parachuting around New Zealand, you know. The... <laughs> I guess Ice Frog did end up at Valve, right? So yeah. one of them. One. <laughs> one. We should take a quick break, but Natalie, I do want to hear a little more about your, your genre ideas here. Because I, I think there is also a little bit more, a little bit of meat there. So we will take a very quick break, and there's probably going to be an ad. We don't know. We'll be right back. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, we're back. What an ad. Wow. Capitalism. (laughs) Good. So Natalie, I know you you had some some thoughts there about like genre and what it means to be a genre versus what it means to just be like a mechanic. And I do think there's something here about how simple the game is, right? Like at least in my mind, a game with fewer mechanics, a game that is more, you know, simple in that way is easier to just rip off because there's literally less to rip off. But I want I want to hear your mm-hmm. thoughts there cuz it sounded like you had something. Yeah, I mean, I I want, like, I don't know, I don't, it doesn't sit well with me to, like, condone, not condone, but to say that it was easier to rip off Donut County, or that, like, that's a, that's an easier jump than Fortnite ripping off Battle Royale, uh, or uh, PUBG, like, that doesn't feel good to me, because it shouldn't be about, like, simplicity, Mm. which, like, Donut County isn't necessarily simple and i and i don't want to i feel like there's an association between or there's like a connotation when we say simple that That is negative that it's easy and that like that making that game was easy and that oh yeah that's just you know ben esposito the developer of donut county spent five years making donut county there is so much like love and and care and and you can feel it when you play the game. There's such a strong narrative. There's so such a strong um, degree of uh, environmental storytelling. And so when I talk about but and with Fortnite and 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 um, battle and uh, PUBG, I think the thing that I I remember being fucking pissed when Fortnite came out. Like, we were all just like, what the fuck? Like, that is <laughs> fucked. Everyone was pissed. But Fortnite appealed to people that, pro- like, never would have gotten into PUBG. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, like, also, 
I think Fortnite took the first step into sort of like, even though it was like super grimy and I fucking hate Epic and I hate the fact that they like pull all their shit off of black creators and are just the fucking worst. But at least we have things like Ring of Elysium, like, like, you know, like there, there are spaces where this genre has actually enabled people to become more creative in how they, um, use the like battle royale and also battle royale was a fucking movie you know what i mean like it wasn't just like <laughs> yeah it wasn't just a game like there this like idea of like a, a hundred people on an island battling for like of the survival is not a new concept and so that's what gets like super like gray around here but at You're least like, scale, there's right? like it's a lot easier to sort of go oh whatever if two big giants that have ma- that are, are making millions of dollars like it's harder to yeah, get exercised over that than yeah. like a tiny developer whose livelihood right like i wasn't i looked at epic and what they were doing and was like all right that's like a little fucking shameless but at the same time it's like PUBG was doing just fine epic <laughs> was doing just fine so it's like it's more of an intellectual argument than like a you know on the ground like how are people paying yeah. their rent how are people like surviving like i, I don't yeah. claim to know ben esposito's like position but you know it's separated out from that it's it's easier to get rightfully exercised over like the notion that you may be snuffing out the livelihood of someone uh when they are a, a tiny developer whether it's single or just a handful of people versus big triple a studios in which people are like fully employed with benefits and it's like you're talking about their their quarterly bottom lines like it's like yeah that's just harder to get 100 percent uh uh sort of uh uh you have to kind of work up to it as opposed to like it's a lot simpler to be like yo like this guy's been working on this by himself for five years he's probably been stretching his credit cards and asking for money from his friends and it's like fuck if you take that away from him even if he wins game of the year yo there's lots of games that win awards that don't make any money um and if like you've stripped away x number of people because they got it they got what they needed from the other thing i mean it's, it's a similar concept that any developers have talked about um i have bemoaned the death of the demo because i think it's cool that people should be able to try things before they buy them especially in the realm of video games but mm-hmm. basically developers fell on and there was indie developers specifically that said well actually like demos like really fuck over games that have sort of like simple mechanical hooks because it's super easy for someone to play a demo get all they need out of those five levels and then not buy the thing and so a lot of indie developers contributed to the death of the demo because it actually didn't make a lot of business sense um Mm. to do so so yeah and i should i should uh retract some of what I, I i said earlier as well it's uh donut county is something that is probably op- operationally simple in terms of like how you're actually interacting with it but it is not mechanically simple especially towards the end of that game there are a lot of interactions and a lot of things kind of working with you in the levels that are kind of going on so i think that's a really good point the uh, game does have a publisher too it's like let's not yeah. also pretend that the donut county is, is publishes a real broad term patrick come on like, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying but I'm saying there's a there is a fundamental like Annapurna is like the the founder of Annapurna Pictures is like the yeah, daughter of like Annapurna, a rich magnate. When did right? Annapurna like, I mean, pick up Donut County? 
Uh, that wasn't like the whole. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just. Yeah. I'm just making the distinction. I don't know how much support. I cannot. I have no reporting to suggest how much support Annapurna is, but behind Donut County, I. Uh, but Annapurna as a company is the, the daughter of someone very rich. It is a company that is well funded. I'm. I don't know the financial exchanges between Donut County and Annapurna. Clearly, that game was developed long before Annapurna was in the picture. But mm-hmm. like they did. There is a relationship of some kind. I'm just saying when we're talking about the scale of like how we think about these things, like there is AAA developers, there's a developer who has a publisher, and then there's like, you know, the folks who are doing it all on their own because maybe they have more to gain by doing it on their own because you don't have to give out royalties to X, Y, and Z along the way if you happen to be a hit um, or you weren't able to secure a publisher. I'm just just also mentioning that it's not like it's just Ben Esposito by himself and there's no architecture around him. Like there was there was a publisher, but Annapurna is also small, and they probably don't want to get in a legal fight either because <laughs> there's been reporting about how they have financial problems to begin with structurally. So nevertheless, like, it's, also- it's clear. Oh. Patrick's role, you got a publisher, you fancy. <laughs> oh, look at you! We got a publisher. Damn, epic. You can't see no I difference. Mean- Looks the same to me. This supports that too. Like what I what I wanted to say too is like that's actually super supported by that because Donut County is still like a pretty marketable game. There's a lot of stuff I play that is not marketable at all. It is not going to do any sales. It's why it's free. It's why these people are working on Patreon. Like you know, this is this is not like a Connor Sherlock experimental walking simulator. It's not a kitty horror show experimental horror game like there are still people working uh, without publishers and without you know any sort of financial support unless it comes from like a patreon that are making like that really weird work so it's like uh, point taken like there are many 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 levels to this there there are people working in every space in the game industry and this is like the yeah i guess this is like below the triple a indie right you know this is below the Firewatch. it's below the tacoma sorry i'm noting games that like people i know have made but like below that Probably above a kitty horror show, like in terms of money, just in terms. And of, I like, bet this happens financial. all the time, right? Like we, yeah. there are people like in this room. They're like, no Ben Esposito, and so it's like you find yourself like more sympathetic because he has like a more sellable narrative. And I bet this happens every day to all sorts of developers yeah. who like don't like that's the, like the, the most crushing thing, right? Like, Donut County gets a shout out in like this like larger discussion of this every day. There are probably no name developers who have something creative, unique. Maybe like a GIF goes viral. But, like, you never find out what that game is. But maybe that gets picked up, put into, like, this factory and gets spit out. And, like, you never know that that happens because the one of the consequences of, you know, democratizing games and game development is because it's so splintered that, like, it's very difficult to keep track of all these things. And my guess is we've all played games that we liked that are just straight out of the factory, but we just don't even know it. Just like... And and that's why I think the stories like this leave leave me in a really uncomfortable uncomfortable place because they they sort of speak to I think just essential tensions and contradictions within the market and the the structure of the market and industry uh, as as we presently have it. There is if I try to create you know a version of reality where everyone who influences and touches a design should share in some of the end profits for whoever turns out to be the league of legends of holes eating bullshit uh, games, right? <laughs> like if you are, if you are the league of legends of just the whole gobbler, uh, then, you know, then everyone who sort of contributed, everyone who dug that hole and put shit into it should yeah. share in the profits. They should, they should get some of whatever's fallen into that hole. You know what I mean? 
but mm-hmm. then that becomes completely unworkable because where does influence end? When when it, where does meaningful influence? When when does meaningful influence take place? Uh, and when is it just something else that is operating in the that is sort of breathing the same air and is taking the same inspirations as you and goes somewhere else with it? Where do you draw those distinctions? You really can't. But what we end up with is a system that does empower and protect people who show up to this creative. Uh, who show up to this creative industry to who who sort of show up to the uh, institutions and social aspects of the industry where people exchange ideas and develop themselves as creators. And it protects and privileges people who show up to that with a massive fucking checkbook. And <laughs> it is always going to be easy for someone with investors backing them, a large staff, uh, an ability to really quickly set up a pipeline and develop a game. Mm. Those folks are always going to be able to beat you to market. And if they somehow don't beat you to market, they will be very, they, they will very easily swamp you with marketing and enhancements to whatever your game was that make it maybe make theirs look a little fancier. They can do the free to play thing because they can make it up in mm-hmm. volume. And it is always going to be a system that rewards folks like that. And if you can't compete with that, unless you're very lucky, you probably end up a little bit with the scraps in that in, in that situation. And I think that's what's so uncomfortable about this because I don't like it. I also do not see a way to fix it without wrecking the creative exchange of ideas that the industry and the health of games runs on. I do wish there was a way for... And I, I was arguing this when I was talking to developers about 2048 and threes was that it, for platform holders, I wish there was some sort of appeals process where mm. if you felt you had been wronged in this way, where it seemed so explicit that you may not be able to prove it up front, but your gut goddamn tells you that something's something's up, that it would be healthy for platform holders who are really the only ones in a position to do anything about this. It is Apple, it is Google, it is Microsoft, it is Sony, it is Nintendo. Like they are in a position to to extract the information necessary to determine like what is, you know, I, th- I think there is a way where you could, some of these games could be deplatformed, delegitimized because the platforms that are hosting them were able to find information that ultimately led you to the conclusion that like this isn't cool. Like I don't know where that line is. Like I, I don't, I don't. It's it, it's a very uh, probably fuzzy one, but like that's the nature of all forms of deplatforming and trying to like there isn't a good answer to this question. But I do wish there was a process in which platforms recognize it is a problem, and we don't have like super specific guidelines on how to solve this. But it's the kind <laughs> of thing where they could come in and be like, "Yo, like yeah, we agree with you. This kind of looks like bullshit." Yeah, dude, like, let's the, from the platform's perspective, it's a problem. It ain't their problem. Right. Well, they like, make yeah. money off. This they make money both ways. Downloaded and sold yep. and monetized either way, and that's and that's really the that's that's really where the rubber meets the road in all this. This goes back right. to our discoverability problem. We can go to that I mean, all day long you... and be like, "Hey, Steam sucks compared to it was when it was like curated and like it wasn't just asset rip showing up right and left." But like, they're making a lot more money. They're making a lot of you money off that. So uh, you may not like the, you might not like this Russian gay bashing game that only made twelve dollars, but hey, we made six bucks off of it. So <laughs> eh. right, it's so depressing. 
First rule, does <laughs> this, does this game have a publisher? That's strike one. Strike one. If it <laughs> uh, shows up a publisher, mm, Richie Rich over here is coming in here trying to take a bite off the little guy. Look, I'm just, uh, this is part of my, uh, let me run Steam. Just get me in there. I got the right ideas. Come with me, publishers. <laughs> Patrick Steam Klepik coming at you. Finally. Natalie, do you, do you have any uh, Marxist thoughts to respond? You know. <laughs> yeah. I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I just agree. I think it's it's so tricky because uh, the ability to measure influence is just, it, it gets gray when you're like further degree separated. Um, even if, that influence, you know, led to a chain of, of, you know, really important ideas or whatever. So, I don't know. I would like to see people paid for their creations, is what I'll say. Yeah. Rich people can go down that That's pretty hard hole. to argue. What if you were holding <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but not just ain't rip-off studios. Just, uh-oh. <laughs> He's just the whole ripping through offices full of like whimsical conference that rooms be the and shit. Sequel. It's like that Chapel that Allison be thread fucking... of like startup, <laughs> startup conference rooms. Yeah. Donut County 2 eats holes of fucking mobile game eats factories. Voodoo. Eats voodoo. <laughs> there should be a company. Yeah, there should be a level in Donut County 2. They just eat all of voodoo. They cool name for a studio, bros. <laughs> yep. Yeah, seriously. I can't believe we didn't even fucking mention that. It's a fucking You know? It's an <sighs> Hey, they're in Berlin, so they can be a tiny bit less of a commute for their employees. So uh, and, and you know, crunch is uh is fine if it's self motivated. So, you know. By the way, those are other actual direct quotes from this from this piece. I'm throwing a little bit of shade. We should take some questions. We should take we some should. questions. Uh I've got a couple here. Uh, some some interesting ones. Uh, one right here that is a little bit related to some of this. It is not directly related to the whole bullshit genre, which I think should be the name uh, of what's going whole on. Shit? The whole bullshit. The whole bullshit. Like whole. Also, I was watching. Bullshit. Natalie yeah. did not like the turns of phrase that were dropping during that whole conversation. Sorry. We were talking about <laughs> holes and just bullshit <laughs> dropping in the holes. Like the, the, the amount of cringe. Where are we dropping? You know, and it's like this is the game. I didn't make the game. I don't, I wasn't you know, the one who's I, like. I'm I know. Hold I was inspired. I was inspired by the unicorn. Okay, uh, should it be just unicorn hole? Is that better? Unicorn hole. There we go. We got there. I'm so proud of myself, and my mom is proud of me too. We have a question uh, that didn't come with a name here, uh, but it's uh, this person says, "Do you think that any competitor could legitimately challenge Steam without doing what Epic is doing in regards to exclusivity?" I sincerely doubt it just due to Steam's dominance over the market, but some people seem to think that somehow a better feature set will win over market share and inertia. We'd be interested in y'all's take. I'm seeing yeah, some frowny no, faces. No way. You have to drag people. You have to drag, yeah. What, like better cloud saves is gonna get you to, no. Like, look at the way people uh, grouched when Origin came along, when um Uplay came along so yeah you have to get people you have to drag people there and what's how do you drag people to a new platform games like that's at the end of the day that's 
that's what you how you get people there. The Epic Store doesn't even have cloud saves right now. Well, and it's 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 just like people are used to using Steam, and so anything that is not Steam, there's going to be an element of friction just built into that whole experience, which is why I still tend to like get a little frustrated when I'm using UPlay because mm. everything's laid out just a little bit differently, and every time it's not <laughs> like every time I'm encountering that, I'm like. Fuck this bullshit. I would just rather be accessing all this stuff through Steam. But I have to use Uplay because that's where Assassin's Creed lives. The, you know, that's that's where I, I have to deal with this. Same with Origin. So you got to drag people over with that exclusivity. Steam couldn't even do it. Steam couldn't be like, hey, this is the wave of the future. Like, games will just come like straight to you and they'll be cheap and convenient. Everyone hated that. I hated that. I Like, give me, give me those DVDs. I was furious. <laughs> <laughs> took a while. So no, I, I think you gotta you gotta drag people kicking and screaming and you just gotta accept it. And there's no utopian solution to overcoming that market share and inertia issue. You have to take the game people want, lock it away in your done in your in your platform dungeon <laughs> in and be like, you gotta rescue this game. You have to enter <laughs> the system. All we need to free this game is your email, your credit card information, your password. And your mother's maiden name. Sounds. <laughs> Natalie is so depressed right now. I was like, maybe, but clearly I am a fucking fool. No. Um, I don't know. I You're think that I think that the game exclusivity thing is definitely number one. Um, sorry, I was just reading the question again. But I think that I think that. If you're offering, like, the game exclusivity thing has to come with, like, offering developers, like, a bo- like what Epic is doing by offering developers, like, a better revenue share is how you get the game exclusivity over there in the first place. And so, mm, I think a combat... A little. I, a little. There are also backroom deals happening oh. with these games. So, not... Yes, that's an attractive part. But, like, don't pretend that Epic isn't going out... And just spending money to get <laughs> games on their platform. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it takes more than just an offer of like, this is what you can have when you come here. Like, it take you have to like the, the incentive has to be higher. Um, but in terms of like what consumers want, I think that the majority of people that are using steam are like i don't know because i i really want to just know what games i would have fun with on steam and i'm never going to have a way of like going through that and so if there was an alternate that was like not necessarily like curation yes but mainly in the fact that i could like identify things more easily and like had some sort of it's like what the fuck happened with in in when Nintendo started the whole like seal of con or, or confidence, like the seal of approval or whatever. Like that that is what's happening. No, I don't no know. Floated I, that. I don't know what became of the idea. Remember, he was like he sort of had this vision yeah. of like, oh, you can have like custom Steam storefronts, basically, where it all still is Steam, right. but it can be the- like, and we sort of reskinned or something, and it's like Patrick Klepek's House of Games, no publishers allowed. <laughs> 
Uh, and, like, you can just go and see what the true indies are that you like. And it's all stuff that, like, Patrick Hand selected really carefully. Uh, and the thing is, like... Well, yeah, there are curate... There are, it's like, curation lists. It's not... You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I never feel... They're like, hard you gotta to scroll find. down. You gotta scroll down and, like, who's curating... I, I mean, want the video the, store model, right? Like, what the old yes, school video yeah. store where, like... It's staff it might picks. be Steam, but yeah, yeah, but like basically it's the equivalent of like you go into a good video store or a comic shop and like rather than a pedantic know-it-all being behind the counter, it's somebody who genuinely is like helpful and wants to like help you find stuff that fits your taste. Like I would love that experience. There there is maybe the thing that I would that I would go to. Uh but really I probably wouldn't unless there's also some fancy exclusives in there that <laughs> that I can get to. But I don't know if Sweeten the pot. If, I, if I could get Patrick's House of Games or uh you know N- Natalie's Stop. Natalie's so Gen Z uh what's up what's up with the kids uh game store dot com. Uh then then that might that might lure me in. I mean if you want like if it Partially, it's like if you want like your conscience to feel better, like th- like itchio exists, right? Like at the end of the day, like Epic may be given to all of us a better deal, but like they're in the same game, right? Like I, I'm I'm not gonna be surprised if five years we're talking about their store in the same way we talk about Steam, um, like because at the end of the day, it's like the what are like the the founding principles of like the storefront you're building, and it's like if you want one where they really are really do really seem to be putting developers first and making sure that the experience is 100% about them. Like, like itch is like the place to go for that. Now, unfortunately you're not going to be able to get the Fortnites of the world there, but it's like, if you're looking for a storefront to support because like you want to see it more ethically grounded, like those storefronts do exist. They're just not necessarily going to have all of the games you're looking for. I forgot fucking discord has a store now. Yeah, they do. They super do. I don't know anyone that uses it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't. It probably gets used. Twitch is probably gets used a lot too. Just I don't use them as. Oh you know. right, Twitch too. Yeah, yeah. Twitch.io. Uh, where does Nintendo fit into this? Uh, just in terms of, uh, that's the only thing I could truly imagine being any kind of competitor to something like Steam. Um, is well, is like a publisher that has incredibly uh well-regarded exclusives and the amount of sort of market share like that's the only thing that i can even imagine uh just as a player being like i'd rather play this on my switch therefore i'll buy it in nintendo's eShop. i'm not saying at all that the eShop is comparable but just wondering where i don't know i guess that's the only thing i could see as anything uh on the same scale uh, I mean, Nintendo's not shown a lot of uh, leadership in the online storefront space. So. We'll curate, but the interface will be so terrible, and the user experience <laughs> will be so miserable. Will be so substandard, and they're really not even not curating really. that much not really. anymore. Now you, it's I mean, a it's, fucking list. It's a list from yeah. today to fucking a year Just ago. Just keep scrolling. Maybe you'll find half. something you like. I mean, because they're, they're ha- they at the end of their ha- they you know they may not put the Russian gay bashing shooter. Uh, right. you know, or a pixel thing that Steam will do, but like they'll happily take almost anything else because you know a game that only sells a thousand copies. I mean, you still get your cut. So I, I don't, I, yeah. I don't expect the Nintendo is going to step in, and there's just not much of a business incentive to not accept everything. Um, that comes down to an interface thing, and unfortunately, Nintendo's not. They may be a company that, uh, you know, their public-facing image is about fun. But I mean, 
their business too, and oh, yeah. they also have crappy UIs. So <laughs> that's a foundational tenant of Nintendo, at least when it comes to their their sort of like online infrastructure. And hard to imagine that changes a whole lot in the future. Mario's Steam, I, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right, we've got one more question, and this is uh, this is a very Rob question, but this comes from Paul. Paul has a simple but important question here. Can you explain the difference between tactics and strategy in games? It's part of the lexicon. I don't think I understand. Thanks, Paul. Uh, so I know what it means in life, but not necessarily in games. So yeah, the line can get a little bit blurry because like lots of games ha- like have strategies in them that we then are talking about. What we are calling strategies are are basically tactics, right? Like what are the approaches you do uh, mechanically to achieve a certain end? But if we're sort of breaking it down, uh, you know, tactics versus strategy. Uh, tactics tend to be like the individual moves you make, right? Mm -hmm. Like move this piece here, uh, get this unit here, do this at this time in a match. That's, that's tactics in general. All that needs to be in service to an overall outline of what your plan is. What is, what is going to deliver you the win? The strategy is sort of the arc that is guiding your tactics toward a successful outcome. That's kind of the way you need to conceive of them. Strategy is like high level thinking, getting me from match start to like, how am I going to win it? What is my organizing principle here? Tactics are how you execute the strategy and how you carry it into effect across changing conditions at a zoomed in scale, basically. Ah. So the strategy for me to beat somebody in jujitsu is to be really aggressive and the tactic would be to put them in an arm bar right away. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I have made it about jiu-jitsu once again. Therefore, it's <laughs> me talking. Okay, good. Uh, if you have questions, uh, you can send those to gaming at vice.com with the subject question. Shout out to Two Mello for the track Bump This off of Trunk Fiction. You can check out his music and musings at, at Mellow Makes and his tracks at 2, numeral 2, mellowmakes.bandcamp.com. We're on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice, and a lot of cool stuff is going up again. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, we're on twitch.tv slash Waypoint, and we write things constantly at waypoint.vice.com. Patrick, where can people find you on the internet? You can find Rob Zachney dragging me <laughs> at Patrick Klepek. Yes! Rob Zachney, where, where can we find you dragging Patrick? Uh, you can find me talking shit about Patrick at Rob Zachney. excellent natalie where can we find you being you know rightfully pissed off about a lot of shitty things oh definitely on twitter (laughs) at natalie watson excellent you can find me nonstop talking about fucking jujitsu at at danielle ri thank you all so much appreciate you appreciate you listening uh we're gonna have a lot of amazing holiday content next week it's gonna be incredible not just holiday end of year let's just call it end of year uh, so look out for that. Look out for all of that in your podcast feed and also on the site and all sorts of other good things. Not next week, the week after. I'm sorry. This week has been like 10 months long. Soon. Let's just say that soon. Be good and be good at it. la dotty, who gets the gaudy? <laughs> Unicorn hole. Kato is so upset. So good. <laughs>
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.